welcome to Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel, and my co-host for this mini-episode today is Tristan. Hey, everyone. So today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be picking apart the writing, plot, and genre category of the grid by defining each of the five subcategories and giving some examples of movies that we would award high scores to for each of those uh, subcategories. Be sure to keep an eye out in the coming weeks for more mini episodes talking about each of the 10 categories of the grid. We'll also have a mini episode summing up the phases, uh, phases one and two of the Marvel Monday series before the official launch of season two on Monday, January 7th. So with all of that out of the way now, should we just uh, dive on into uh, talking about writing plot and genre? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So the first subcategory of uh, writing plot and genre is going to be plot structure. Essentially, this just means what happens in the movie. So a movie that would score poorly in this would have a lot of plot holes, wouldn't make sense, leave you with a lot of questions. Not the questions are bad, but you know what I mean. Questions like, what did we just watch? What what happened? Why did that happen? Why is everyone so stupid? (laughs) Exactly. Those are the bad kind of questions to be left with. Uh, So as far as a a movie that would score highly, uh, what, what, what movie did you pick? So for this one, I picked Jurassic Park. Okay. Why would that movie score score highly for you? I'm not arguing, but... Yeah, for me, this movie, I don't really see any plot holes. There's not really any point where I think, why is everyone so stupid? Why aren't they doing the obvious thing? Uh, There was no, like, uh, what do they call it? Deus Ex Machina, where they're like... And then some external thing happens that solves all the problems and and they don't just like introduce random things here and there that just because it's convenient or because someone, one of the editors was like, wait, this is a huge plot hole. And so someone's like, oh, okay. Uh, Then this guy shows up and he has the the key to the door and and whatever. Sure. Um, There was none of that. I think everything kind of flowed together, you know, cause and effect wise. And uh, it was. Uh, They even had three different stories going on in in some parts, three different threads, and each one had its own thing going on, and they all made sense on their own, and they all made sense uh, when they became intertwined, and as a whole story, everything was just very well structured, and it all fit together, and so I rate, or I chose Jurassic Park for plot structure. All right. I can't argue that. I have uh, often said Jurassic Park is... One of the best movies ever made. Uh, if you're interested in more thoughts on that, there is a Jurassic Park review with uh, guest co-hosts Sammy and Brian. The audio quality on that one is not quite up to par. It was one of the first ones that I did and one of the first with multiple guests. Um, but I think there's some good conversation there and I definitely get into uh, why the script is is good. It's not just the not just the dinosaurs, not just the you know special effects, all that. This is a solid movie in, in every category. So I have no... No rebuttals there. (laughs) Um, For my pick, I picked Fargo for plot structure. Okay. There's, there were a lot of movies I could have picked. Uh, There are a lot of movies that have really strong plot structure, but Fargo, it's a very simple plot. I mean, it's just a guy wants money, so he arranges to have his wife kidnapped and things go awry. It's not that complicated. But the way it's told is such just layers upon layers and characters, kind of like what you were saying about the three different storylines intertwining. I feel like Fargo has some of that and 
every character has a unique motivation for the things they do, which is a different subcategory, but yeah. plays into plot structure. And it's just a really solid movie and it's really enjoyable and it's you know it's a little bit complicated a little bit hard to not necessarily hard to follow but it takes multiple viewings to fully appreciate the complexity of the plot because like I said it's it's pretty simple on the surface and then when you see it multiple times you really start to dive into all the all the different layers peel things back see everything that's at work I think it's really masterful that one um, easily, and that's another one that, that I did I have reviewed in the past that's so a season one episode of Nitty Gritty Reviews um, and and it got a 10 for me in plot structure and I uh, I know why all the things I just said <laughs> and uh, yeah solid solid movie with a solid plot structure that would, would easily get a 10 for me alright alright so then that's going to bring us to the second subcategory which is going to be character outer goals and this is basically what do people want to do it seems really simple. A lot of movies don't really have this, or if they do have it, it's really, really basic. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of hard to find a movie that that really does this well. What movie did you pick for, for a movie that did it well? So for character outer goals, uh, as an example of a good movie, I chose Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. Uh, we rated that. It's on one of yes, our Marvel did. Mondays. The, the pilot episode of the Nitty Gritty Reviews. Oh, and that's right. the start of Marvel Mondays. Yeah, that's right. So I think we both really like that. And a big part of that for me was the character outer goals. Tony Stark always has an outer goal and it actually changes several times throughout the movie. As the movie progresses, his goal changes, but he always has a yeah. very clear outer goal. So that movie always stands out to me because it's always very clear what his outer goal is and everything kind of hangs on that. And I think it was done very well. So that's why I chose Iron Man as an example of character outer goals done well. All right. Uh, that's kind of funny that you picked Iron Man because I picked Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's definitely, for me, Thor, I feel like it's it's for sure an underrated Marvel movie. And, oh, yeah. and we go into great detail in that <laughs> review as to why we like it. And a lot of it comes down to the characters. And a big part, a lot of it comes into uh, more inner needs and things like that which is a different category but as far as the outer goals go like thor wants to be king he wants to go to war he's this arrogant boy with all of these ambitions that don't really align with what the kingdom of asgard really needs and he needs to you know he his, his goal like you were saying the, the shifting of goals his goals shift to the end to where it becomes oh i don't need to go to war i don't need to become king i need to protect these people that need to be protected right and it's just a really um you know that's a movie where where like i said the the emotional side of the story and the ambition side of the story just tied really really well together and and the character outer goals very much so driven by the inner needs but very uh, everything makes sense everything's solid everything drives the movie forward without any you know, nobody, there's no moment in that movie where like, wait, why did he just do that? Yeah, that's, that's true. That never, like, you're like, oh, he's doing that because like Loki, he's, uh, he wants to be king. He thinks he's the rightful king of Asgard. He's bitter about his adoption. All of this makes sense. Okay. Thor, he wants to be king and he, he is war hungry. Like he wants to go to war. Right. This makes sense. Now he's met, like, like every, I'm not going to go through the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just makes perfect sense 
So that was an, an easy pick for me for, for character outer goals was Thor. Can't argue with that. All right. So then that brings us to the next subcategory, and that's going to be pace. And essentially, this is just, does the script hold your interest? And it's important to note with this that there is another pace subcategory in the editing overall category. So there are two different elements of this. So the, the editing category would be more the visuals, the length of shots, do the scenes, you know, the order of the scenes hold your interest, more that aspect of it. Whereas what this is talking about is specifically the script is what is written on the page. Does it hold your interest? Is it interesting? Or is the pace strictly from editing? You know, so there's there's two different aspects to think about as far as pace, but this one obviously since we're in writing plot and genre is does the script hold your interest? So what did you pick for a movie where the script held your interest? I picked a movie at first, but I changed my mind and I picked a, a TV show instead. Okay. Why don't you tell us what you picked? All right, this will be a, a little bit on the shorter side because it's uh, one that's already been mentioned, but I picked Jurassic Park. It's just a movie that that keeps on going. It is so much fun from start to finish, like you said, with the three different plot points or the three different storylines, I should say. Like, the, you never get bored of one thing because you're, you're pinballing around from, like, oh, we're with Grant and the kids. Oh, we're with Ellie and the, like, oh, and Hammond. And, like, there's so much going on, and yet everything ties together. Everything makes sense. Everything, I mean, it's just the perfect pace. Um, that is easily, probably one of the main reasons I did not pick Jurassic Park was for plot structure. It was because I was saving it for this. Because <laughs> I didn't want to give the same movie as an example for more than one thing. Um, so easily Jurassic Park, which now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of wish I had saved Jurassic Park for some of the special effects or sound subcategories because oh, yeah. it does so much in so many categories. But I don't regret it. Jurassic Park, perfect pace. It's funny that you chose that because that's the movie that I chose, but then changed my <laughs> mind because I decided to use it for pace instead. You mean plot structure? Or plot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Either so what, what TV show did you pick? I'm curious. So... For pace, for holding my interest, I chose The Good Place. We've been watching a lot of it lately. Oh, yeah. And first of all, I think the idea is interesting. And uh, I really like seeing Chidi explain things. And even though I think after the Greeks and Romans, a lot of philosophy just turned into bullshit as far as I can tell. But that's always fun. And I always look forward to his little lessons and his, his viewpoint on things. But this show, more than... Anything else I could think of, I'm always wondering what's going to happen next. How are they going to get out of this situation? How are they going to tie up this loose end? And this show does an excellent job of sort of holding my interest and then wrapping everything up. And then maybe 30 seconds before the end of the episode, there's some crazy twist or something that just completely changes everything. Yeah. And then they roll credits. Yeah. And until... You know, for an entire week, I'm like, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to explain this? How are they going to do season two with the ending that they gave season one? I, oh, I don't yeah. even see how that's possible. How are they going to do season three with the ending they gave season two? Yeah. Like almost every episode, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah. so far, they've always delivered. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen a TV show that used cliffhangers quite so effectively. Yeah. I feel like a lot of shows that end on cliffhangers, it's resolved in the first five minutes. 
And it's kind of like, why didn't you just end the last episode five minutes sooner? That was such a gimmick. Yeah. And it is not gimmicky at all with The Good Place. Like, it feels like like a Netflix show where they film everything or, like, you know, write everything all at once, film everything all at once, right. release everything all at once. And it's like, oh, here, this, this season is a complete story. That's what it feels like. And it's an NBC sitcom. I mean, NBC sitcoms have always been top of the game. But, I mean, it, it feels like a Netflix show. Yeah. It's... Which is a compliment if anybody out there can't tell from my tone. I love Netflix shows. I think they do a really good job of those overarching stories. And then here's this sitcom that that pulls it off. So well. I was really skeptical when you said you were going to do a TV show. I'm like, I guess I'll allow it. But that's a good choice. All right. I'm I, knew glad I, I, I'm, I knew I could trust you. I'm glad I got your approval. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then that's going to bring us to the next subcategory. And this one I think gets um, a little bit of confusion sometimes. So this will be an interesting one to talk about. So this is going to be... Genre cliches, tropes, and twists. So for this subcategory, if, I mean, it's it's all up to, it's all subjective. So people can interpret this however they want. But the way that I interpret this is something that scores highly would, um, well, here's what I wrote. Is this what you expect from the given genre? That would be more the tropes side. And then does it subvert expectations? That would be twists. And does it feel fresh? Void cliches. So it's kind of the breakdown of cliches, tropes, and twists. But basically, a movie that scores really highly for me would be either the birth of a genre. Okay. You know, that's what, so that would be very tropey, would be very cliche. Like it potentially could score very negatively, but it's the birth of a genre. We'll probably always give it a 10. That's just how sure. my brain works. Makes sense. Um, so there's that side, or there's things that just completely you know, are either so self-aware, like it's something super meta, you know, or uh, just subverts expectations at every turn. Like, you know, okay, yes, this is a Western, but it feels or like, like uh, this isn't what I wrote for one of my examples, but say Firefly. Okay. It's a sci-fi, but it's also a Western. That's subverting expectations or at least combining expectations, doing weird hybrid genre things. That would get really high for the things it does with genre because it's not what you would expect from either of those genres. Sure. Makes sense. Even though sci-fi can kind of be Western. I mean, the original Star Trek was pitched as the wagon train to the stars, like it was a Western in space. But we've gone farther and farther away from that as time goes on. And it's never been so overt as something like Firefly. It's like, oh, this is definitely Western and sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm getting a little off topic here. Um, but those are kind of the two different things to look for. Is it does the subvert expectations and or is this the birth of something different? You know, the birth of a new genre. So anyway, so with that said, what kind of things would you give a high score for? Or, or what, what movie would you give a, a perfect 10 to? So I chose Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which is funny that it's also a Joss Whedon. He does do interesting things with genre. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so I'm glad that you uh, broke this down into three different categories because I think they all score differently for this uh, movie. I think tropes, this is like a perfect 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. It takes the ideas of superheroes and supervillains and like pushes it to this ridiculous extreme where they have fan clubs and there's Dark Horse and there's what's his sidekick Moist Boy or something like that. Like, that. Yeah. like everything is just over the top. It's ridiculous. It's really fun. It really takes that idea and pushes it to a 10 out of 10. Uh, it does feel very fresh to me. Uh, it's just a fun, different kind of universe i don't know if it avoids cliches rather than it embraces them 
but it's not like the eye rolling, like, ugh, jeez, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, more, more of a meta. Yeah, it's more meta. cliches. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about subverting expectations, but um, I don't know. Anyway, that's the movie I chose. It does. It makes the villain the hero. I think that in and of itself subverts expectations. Yeah, that's true. And he does get what he wants, and he doesn't, like, turn into a good guy, right? The good guy doesn't, uh, you know, give the heroic speech, and he changes, he has a change of heart. He actually right. gets what he wants and then finds out that he had to pay a terrible price. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's good reasons for choosing Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog as uh, a pretty good example of something that plays with genre and pushes it a little bit further and does something interesting. Absolutely. So my pick, I had several, several picks, but I'll narrow it down to one. Uh, so this pick is definitely something that's more on the... Uh, subverting expectations, feeling fresh, uh, certainly meta. My pick is Deadpool. Oh, yeah. That's um, a, wow. Which I cannot wait to review. Someday, someday we'll get to it. Um, or we'll get to it. I don't know if you have any interest. Someday I'll get to it with <laughs> at least one guest co-host. And I'm excited because I love that movie. I love what it does with the genre. Anything meta. Community is yeah. also something that would have been, uh, speaking of NBC sitcoms, um, that's a great one for genre. Like anything that is self-aware and just hits all the right tropes and all the right cliches, but in such an interesting way that just subverts all those expectations and just is so self-aware. I just, I can't get enough of it. Scream was another one I had on this list. Less funny, oh, yeah. but certainly has that, that meta aspect to it that I just love. I think it's I think it's really fun and I love genre theory. So when genre can get to that parody or, you know, self-aware point and start getting really, really interesting things, I just think it's great. I love the birth of genres too. I also I guess I am going through all my picks. I had Superman the Motion Picture and Night of the Living Dead both on my list. Okay. For for birth of one for zombie and and one for superhero. See if you can guess which one is which. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And those are both, um, I definitely talk about genre in the Nitty Gritty Reviews in season one. Those both have episodes. Um, I think Superman the Motion Picture is a particularly good one for talking about genre. Because I know my, my dad, Mark, was a guest co-host on that one. And I know we, we interpreted this, this category very differently. Um, not that either is wrong. It does some really bad things with, with yeah. genre. It's very cliche. It's not great. Um, but it's also the birth of a genre. So I scored it very high and he scored it much lower. And there's some, some interesting conversation going on there. So if you're interested, um, that would be another one to check out. Um, so the next subcategory is going to be world building and exposition. And this, I essentially break this down into, do we know what we need to know when we need to know it? That would be the exposition part. And for right. world building, is the world around the plot interesting? So that's kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a twofer with this one. Um, but I kind of lump them together because I feel like they're, you know, two sides of the same coin, basically. Why don't you go first for this one? Oof, I was afraid you were going to say that. I have two picks for this one. All right. This is one. This is a movie that's already been mentioned. So I feel I probably should go with the other one. But I think this is the better pick. I picked Iron Man um, because this not only sets up the world of Iron Man. That's it sets true. up the MCU. Like this is a huge world that it sets up. And this one movie gives us exactly the right amount of exposition for the story being told, exactly the right amount of exposition 
to to lead up to future stories being told. Right. And exactly the right world building, like from the very beginning. It's like, this is a world I want to keep coming back to. And guess what? We're going to keep coming back to it a couple times a year, at least. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's and it's fantastic. So Iron Man was an easy pick for me as far as uh, world building and exposition. It just does does so many things so well and in ways that had never really been done in movies before. Like this wasn't just setting up a franchise. It was we still haven't come up with a good term for it. I guess the MCU would be the franchise and Iron Man is a sub franchise is the wording we've we've yeah. or at least the wording I've been sticking with. I'd like to come up with something catchier. Anyone listening? The thread. I guess that's a, that's better than than sub franchise. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Anyone listening, if you have any ideas for for how to break things, up, I'm sure there's. I mean, there's a Marvel subreddit. I'm sure this has been discussed before. But if anyone listening has any ideas for what to call it, with the MCU being, I guess it doesn't even have to just be. I guess each one could be a franchise, and the MCU could be like the mother franchise. <laughs> there's there's different directions. I don't it's know. The universe. Well, yeah, touche, <laughs> I guess, but. Anyway, this is getting a little bit off topic, but, <laughs> but that was my pick, Iron Man, easily. All right, good pick. Uh, for this one, I chose another TV show. I chose Rick and Morty, specifically the pilot, because That's if you fair. watch the pilot, you know if you're going to like the show or not. Oh, yeah. You know who the characters are. You know how zany and bonkers and kooky it gets. You know if you're offended or not. <laughs> you know what's going on. It's like you have a pretty good idea. Uh, whether or not you're going to like this, you have no idea what the other episodes are going to be because they're so totally bonkers and crazy and out there. But this one, I think it does an excellent job of exposition uh, with regards to who the people are and what the overall ideas of the show are. Ideas like, you know, a portal gun and multiverses and also ideas about like loneliness and interactions with people and like all kinds of things it sets up. And it it, it just sets up uh, the world's... Wow, now I'm rambling you can cut that out <laughs> yeah it just sets everything up and you know right then and there whether it's for you or not fair enough all right so so that's gonna wrap up all of the subcategories so now that we we've talked about the kind of movies that would get good scores i didn't want to give bad examples for each subcategory because one of the main purposes for this podcast for me at least as the creator of this podcast what like I really prefer focusing on the positive as opposed to just picking apart the negative and talking about why movie doesn't work that's important to talk about and I definitely you know we definitely talk about the things that don't work in our reviews but as far as as what the takeaway is even with the worst movie ever made I want to find something good and be like look at all these things that did bad sure but look at this one thing that's great um, so that's just kind of my outlook. So I didn't want to give negative, you know, you know, what would score badly for every single subcategory. It just seemed a little negative for me. Right. But I do think it's important to talk about what would get a bad score. So just overall, what is something that would get a, a bad score? I, we didn't really talk before we started recording about what a bad score entails. I probably should have giving you a heads up. I guess I was thinking just anything below a five, anything that gets into that either below expectations or uh, unsatisfactory, anything yeah. within those two ranges, um, which honestly doesn't happen often, at least for me within the season one reviews, right. not that many score that low. What example did you come up with for a movie that would 
score poorly within the writing plot and genre category overall across the grid or not across all five subcategories, I should say. All right. Well, prepare your ears, dear listeners, because a lot of people are going to disagree with me. But I chose the Lord of the Rings movies. Wow. All three. All of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could see for pace for sure. Yeah. For pace. It's just like I've read the books. Uh, not like the Silmarillion and all the other side stories, but I read the, the the main books and I've seen the movies. And yeah, for me, uh, each one of these subcategories, they all score pretty low, except for world building and exposition. Uh, it, there's really so much going on. It's very rich and very woven together. But a lot of that is in other things like the Silmarillion. And you really do have to like read everything this guy ever wrote. There's like books that are just a compilation of his notes Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and then people like I, I've even heard of schools that give like degrees of, about just his writing. So yeah. you can really, really go with it. There's so much world building and so much exposition. But for me, the the structure and I think a lot of this is just because it's a like very high or it's very high fantasy. And for me, a lot of the times when I read those books or see those movies, it just seems like they just kind of. Well, we ran into uh, a locked door. Oh, here's a key. Oh, no, we're getting stabbed by a troll. Oh, wait, I have this mithril armor on. Uh, and this, it's just so much of that. And it just seems like plot holes and poor structure to me. Uh, and then the character outer goals. I don't know. They're just walking around and doing their quests. I don't know. I guess that's pretty straightforward. Uh, a lot of the pace was just too slow. There's some tense moments here and there, and I like that. But a lot of it. Like, unless you're really, really, really into all the backstory, it's not that interesting, I think. Uh, it gets pretty tropey. A lot of that is because a lot of modern stuff is based on his writing. Sure. Which came out in the late 50s. It seems yeah. like it's much, much older than that. Um, That's weird. I was thinking it seems like it's much more modern than that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but a lot of it is just rehashed uh, Norse uh, epic sagas and things like that. So yeah, it just scores very low in a lot of these categories. Uh, I was not satisfied with the movies. Bring on the hate. <laughs> I'll be honest that I'll help deflect some of the hate from you. I saw the first two movies and I'm pretty sure they're the only movies I've ever slept through. Aside <laughs> from the first Born Identity movie, which was not because it was bad, but I was really sick when I watched it. And then I never saw the third one. I did not care to. Yeah. And you're a completionist. To, so to I'm, get, I'm a completionist and a film nerd that knows these films are very highly regarded. Yeah. So to make it that way, that far through. Yeah. I, I wouldn't just have, give up. I wouldn't have watched the second one, except that we were watching it with friends. We were doing like, oh, once a month we'll watch like a movie and a franchise. Like we had done all the Star Trek movies. Oh, that's right. All right. So my example is probably a little bit less well, maybe not less well known, but less, certainly less critically received than, than the Lord of the Rings movies. I picked a movie that we watched very recently, but have not reviewed. And I'm certain you won't ever review it because you hated it so much. That's it's. This is a lot of lead up. Lucy. Lucy is the movie. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I unabashedly and unashamedly... Are those synonyms? Those are synonyms. You're Regardless. Right. Yeah, you're not bashful or shamed. Yeah. I I love this movie. 
I think it is it is visually stunning. I think the characters are interesting. Like even writing characters, that category would probably get decent, not tens down the line or anything, but certainly at least meets expectations. Like there's, and visually, like a lot of the technical categories, lots of tens down the line. Like I just think this movie is beautiful to look at. The editing is a little on the nose, but very interesting and uh, non-traditional. Like I said, I'd like to focus on the positive. That's not what we're talking about right now. But there's a lot going for this movie. And I really like this movie. Like overall enjoyment would probably be like an eight or a nine. I like this movie a lot. But the plot makes no sense. For anybody who doesn't know, this is the movie with Scarlett Johansson that was like, what if humans use their whole brain instead of just 10%? It's like, it's not even true. We don't just use 10% of our brain. Like that's not a thing. We use our whole brains. And at first I thought, I was like, well, maybe it's that, like, because I could have sworn I had a teacher in college tell me, like, well, it's not, like, the reason this myth has persisted is because it's not that we don't use our whole brain. It's that we only use about 10% at a time. I'm like, okay, that makes more sense. And then I was, after watching this movie, I was like, is that even true? And I looked it up and it's like, everyone's like, no, like, we use our whole brain, most of our, not our whole brain, but we use most of our brain most of the time otherwise we would be vegetables yeah why would nature even bother with all that because brains are really really expensive right (laughs) that's why we just we're just blobs of a person for our first two years and like 20 percent of our calories go for our to our brain whereas with most animals it's like five or ten percent yeah so i mean this whole movie makes no sense and even like like genre cliches tropes and twists this is basically a Matrix ripoff, essentially. Um, or at least yeah. it has a lot of elements Pretty of close. the Matrix. Um, so it's definitely as far as like sci-fi movies go, whatever that type of subgenre would be. Like it's very, very close in line with that. Like it just feels like it came 10 years too late as far as genre goes. And I mean, the plot structure makes no sense. Character outer goals are almost non-existent. Why are any of these people doing anything? The pace is pretty good. I'll give it that. Um, and world building exposition is okay, but then all the other three categories is just like, this would get, I mean, probably I didn't, I should have rated it on the grid. Except usually I do, even if I'm not reviewing it, I'll rate any movie I watch on the grid. And I just, I think I was just too tired. I went to bed after watching it, but I'm pretty sure this would probably get like a three or a four overall at best. And that's knowing the pace would get pretty high and world building exposition would get like a five or six. And everything else would be so low. It would just, it's not good. And I recognize that it's not good. And it makes me embarrassed to say that I like this movie because I know the premise is nonsense. It makes no sense. It's feeding a myth that for whatever reason society has latched onto that makes no sense. So yeah, I thought that was just the perfect example for a movie that that would score very negatively in this category overall. Even though it would score really highly in just about every other category. Can I change my answer to Lucy? <laughs> no. Uh, you gave your answer. I thought for sure you were going to. I had a couple backup answers because I thought for <laughs> sure. I just totally forgot about that movie. I still, I love it. I I guess I earlier, I like how I'm like, I'm unabashedly and unashamedly <laughs> love this movie. And then now I'm like, I'm embarrassed to admit I like this movie. All right. So now that we've talked about 
all the subcategories, things that would get good scores, things that would get bad scores. I do want to kind of end this review with just kind of a fun question. And I did ask this question to Twitter as well and got a few responses. So I'll read those after we talk about our picks. So the question is, what is a fictional world that you would want to visit? So I knew, well, I thought of an answer like immediately. And then I tried to think of other answers and weigh it against other options. And I just went with my first one because I couldn't think of anything that I would rather visit, any place I would rather visit, any universe I would rather visit. And that's Star Trek. Yeah. It's, I just, <laughs> I grew up watching TNG. Like even the, even if I, even if I visited the, uh, the, the cartoon, the animated series, I'd be cool with that. Like yeah. there's just, it's so much stuff going on and there's all these you know, strange new people and new civilizations and new worlds and exploring. And yeah, there's a pretty good chance you're going to die unless you're a captain. But, you know, you know, and then I, I like ask myself, like, well, what would, what would I do in this situation? Or, you know, how, what would I do when hanging out with Data? I used to daydream about that as a kid. There's an episode where they uncover frozen people. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, these people are idiots. They should be happy. This is awesome. I want this to happen to me right now. So, yeah, and, and, and it's it's fun thinking about it. And, you know, I ask myself, would I go down the science career or the engineering career? And, you know, would I visit this place? Would I visit that place? Would I be friends with this person? I just there's just so much about that universe that I love. And I like thinking about it. And I, I actually have to limit how much I watch it, because if I watch it, I won't be able to sleep for like 10 hours. <laughs> so I can only watch it like weekend mornings. Um, that is true. I can attest to that. Yeah. So. It was it was my first thought, instant thought and best thought. I would visit Star Trek. If I sounded disappointed when you revealed your answer, it's only because I also said Star Trek. I really thought about a lot of other universes. I mean, the MCU is an easy pick. Like if I could just be like, like, oh, I want to go like hang out at Avengers headquarters during peacetime when nothing's really <laughs> going on and just like have shawarma with these people. That would be awesome. But every answer just seemed, I mean, Harry Potter, who doesn't want to go to Harry Potter? That's like, true. that would be great. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, I don't really love the movies, but The Hobbit Town. The Shire. There we go. I knew there's, I told you I didn't like the movies. <laughs> That's okay. The you Shire. were asleep for that part. Probably I was. No, I think that was the main part I liked. Like, I'm like, I just want to go hang out with the hobbits and like be close to the earth and. Yeah. Just and eat a lot. Gardening and eating all day long. <laughs> right? That would be great. Um, but a lot of these seemed like really obvious answers. But I guess Star Trek was too, because you picked it. I kind of knew you would. But but the thing with Star Trek, this is kind of like finding a, a genie in a lamp and wishing for a thousand more wishes. Yeah. But with Star Trek, you've got the hollow deck. That's true. I could still go hang out with the Avengers anytime I wanted. Hey, Thor, let's go visit the Shire. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I would totally do that. And who wouldn't? Like, come on, man. That's true. So I had to go with Star Trek. And even as I mean, silliness aside, like there, I mean, it's just an idyllic future. I mean, it's not idyllic. There's still wars. There's still conflict. There's stuff going on. Right. But like, like one of my, my ambitions in life that didn't really work out, like I really wanted to be. But like studied neuroscience. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. Probably something research based rather than medical. But I really wanted to study like neuropsychology. 
And I did great in the psychology classes. I did great in the biology classes. I even did okay in a statistics class because it was specific for psychology where it was like looking at research and like applying the numbers to that. I'm like, okay, I know what I'm looking for. This is easy. And then I got to like calculus and stuff and it, I, I couldn't do it. And if you don't know that kind of stuff, you can't go into the field. It's like right. I had to, you know, and then I, I mean, I studied film and it was fine. I am happy with my choices, but it wasn't really a choice. I couldn't do it, you know, but right. I feel like in, in the future that Star Trek presents, like there's so many computers and so much technology. You still need to be intelligent. You still need to be at the top of your game. Yeah. They teach but, calculus to kids. There is an sure. episode where a kid talks about learning calculus. Sure, but what kind of, like, computers and calculators and stuff are they allowed to use? Like, certainly they're not having to memorize formulas. I don't know. I bet they're not. Because that's what got me, is I can't, like, the whole, like, sine, cosine, oh, yeah. what, like, I'm like, I don't know what these things mean. Like, statistics was fine, because I knew what the numbers meant. I still don't know what cosine is. I still don't know what sine is. I can't remember the third one. Tangent. That sounds right. I'm sure it is. And I just, and I even asked the teacher, I was like, can you just tell me what, like, I need to know what these numbers mean. I need to know how it would apply in real life. And the teacher couldn't even answer. I'm sure it was, he was just an awful teacher. Like, I'm, I'm certain there are teachers that can answer the questions I had and it would have been much easier for me. But so regardless, I'm going way off topic and now the episode's getting long, but like, if I just, you know, I feel like in the, in the Star Trek universe, there's there's just so many more doors open. It's like, oh yeah, right, like right. I can I can go hang out with Dr. Crusher and study neurobiology and talk with data about what it means to have a brain. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Um and then the holodeck and all that craziness. Like it would just be fantastic. Like it's just it's a great version of the future and and the type of like so many futuristic sci-fi things are like dystopian or post-apocalyptic yeah. which i i really like those too i i'm a sucker for it but there's something so refreshing about this version where everybody is their best self and everybody has the resources to be their best self and if you choose to go another route it's a choice because there's resources available equally to everybody for whatever problems you have in life like there's just right i mean certainly there's still some things even in this future idyllic world that resources can't solve but right but it's a post-scarcity society exactly and that's just there's just something so beautiful about it so so i easily picked star trek as well even though i guess that was um a little bit of an easy answer but uh, i mean who wouldn't want to live in in star trek world yeah um and speaking of which i do have some twitter responses to this question as well and color positive media agrees with us uh, he said, Star Trek, exploration of new worlds and culture would be pretty cool, just as long as I'm not the throwaway guy in the landing party. And I promise anybody in this scenario would not be a red <laughs> shirt. This is a world where you always survive and and get whatever you want, apparently. But <laughs> yeah, there would be no no red shirts dying in this version of events. And then One Way Lane had had two responses, and I love them both. The first is a show I have never heard of, but rest assured it is on my watch list because I am sold. Um, so uh, this response says, uh, 
Princess Tutu, the entire town is literally stuck in a story made by a mad author who died before he finished writing it, and his ghost haunts the world and twists it to his liking so that he can finish the story from his grave. <laughs> it's very meta and great. I am so sold. Wow. I cannot wait. Sounds neat. Um, she says it is available on Amazon Prime. Um, which we have, so that's probably, I mean, there's a lot of things on our list, but I did that. I also yeah. have an app. This is my unsolicited advice for the day or unsolicited suggestion. The app I use is called TV Show Tracker, and you just put in whatever shows you watch. It lets you know when a new season's available, and if it's a show like, like The Good Place that's on cable, it lets you know, like, 15 minutes till a new episode airs, and it has, like, check boxes, so you can check, like... It's fantastic. I mean, I know there's Netflix that automatically tracks and Hulu automatically tracks, but I love having it all in one place. It's definitely it's added to my my TV tracker. Um, but anyway, but then One Way Lane also suggested uh, as a world that she would like to visit, and I love this response so much. Another more mainstream world would be the Good Place. I'm going to stop right there. She <laughs> does go, she does go in and explain why because I almost put that, and then I was like, it's kind of grim because, and I guess spoiler alerts if you're not caught up but um you know it's kind of grim because they're just stuck in hell and, and deemed to like torture each other for eternity or whatever or or go to the bad place or whatever like it's yeah. it's kind of a grim and even just their whole you know the perspective of like we have to get all these good points then you can go to the good place and if you if you're short if, one point right too bad and it's like such an astronomical high number that so few people get in so i was like i don't know it seems pretty pretty pessimistic but i love this this response for why it's not, or not response because i hadn't said anything yet but this explanation i guess so another more mainstream world would be the good place there's something so charming about knowing that hell is the place where you make lifelong friends where demons want to be human and where non-gendered non-feeling all-knowing entities fall in love i love it that's such a great perspective sure and it's totally true because like they become better people by their friendships with each other and so maybe that's not such a grim version of, of quote-unquote torture i don't know i have i have a lot more feelings that i can't really get into without like deep diving into spoilers <laughs> slash a topic that is not what this mini episode is um, but if anyone wants to chat about the good place i've got things to say and um yeah i just i love that response that's fantastic um so those are uh fictional worlds we would want to visit if you have any others let us know. You can uh, uh, talk to us on, on social media. Our handle is at Gritty Films, G-R-I-D-D-Y Films, or you can email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com. Let us know what fictional world you want to visit. Uh, I'd love to hear some more responses. All right. So Tristan, is there anything that you would like to add about writing plot and genre before we wrap this mini episode up? Oh, huh? I was thinking, of, <laughs> I was thinking about Star Trek. I honestly can't even tell if that was a joke or not. Is there anything you would like to add about writing plot and genre? No, I'm good. All right. Listen, I'm going to inexplicably play uh, Tuchello's version of Smells Like Teen Spirit to, to send us out to send us out because uh, I didn't have a movie to play music from. So if you're wondering why this was playing in the beginning, no reason. 
So thanks so much for listening to this mini episode of Nitty Gritty Reviews. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll be posting another mini episode very similar to this next week, talking about the writing characters category of The Grid. And season two launches with all new full episodes on January 9th. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to contribute to the conversation. Gritty Films can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the handle at Gritty Films. You can also email us, like I said, at grittyfilms at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what movies would get perfect hands for you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.